Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Aloha, KCC. We're the Gross family, and happy Palm Sunday. We're going to be reading the scripture verse today, Mark 11, 1 through 10. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage, at Bethphage and Bethany, and Bethany near, the Mount of near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He sent two of his disciples and told them, "Go to the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it and bring it." If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. The disciples led the donkey to Jesus. They put some of their clothes on its back, and Jesus got on. Many people spread clothes on the road, while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Mark 11, 1 through 10. So, Gene Dixon was one of the most famous American psychics of the 20th century. She had a newspaper column with astrology telling people their future through the newspaper. And she was well known for her predictions. When Jean Dixon was nine years old, she was given a crystal ball by a gypsy fortune teller. At the age of 14, with that crystal ball, Jean Dixon was telling the fortunes of famous celebrities. As she grew older, she began to give predictions for famous people, such as President Franklin D. Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Nancy Reagan, and President Richard Nixon, just to name a few. But she's best known for an article that was in Parade Magazine in 1956 that she predicted that in the upcoming presidential election of 1960, a Democrat would win the presidential election and then he would be assassinated or die in office. President Kennedy, a Democrat, was elected president in 1960. And he tragically was assassinated in office. How could Dixon make such a prediction? Well, it's helpful to know that, oddly enough, by Gene Dixon's time in 1956, every president who died or was assassinated in office won their election in a year that ended in a zero. And this happened every 20 years since the year 1840. Let me run through the list. In 1840, President Harrison died in office. In 1860, President Lincoln. 
1880, President Garfield in the 1900s, McKinley in 1920, President Harding in 1940, Franklin Roosevelt, and in 1960, as predicted, President Kennedy was assassinated. Of course, Gene Dixon's erroneous predictions outweighed any predictions that came true. Let me mention some ones that she gave that didn't come true. She said, right before the election was finished in 1960, she changed her view and said, the Democrat isn't going to win, a Republican is going to win. And she was wrong. She predicted that World War III would start in 1958 over a dispute over some Chinese islands between mainland China, mainland China and Taiwan. She predicted that we would have a cure for cancer by the year 1967. She predicted that the Soviets would be the first people to put a man on the moon. She predicted that there would be a holocaust in the year 1980, and a Middle Eastern child born on February 5th, 1962, would unite all world religions into one. And she predicted there would be peace on earth in the year 2000. And she was wrong on all those predictions. This past week, someone sent me a YouTube video of Bill Gates, who is the co-founder of Microsoft Software, the second richest man on the planet, with a net worth approximately of $100 billion. And in 2015, five years ago, Bill Gates gave a speech where he predicted that the greatest danger to the world is not nuclear, it's biological. He predicted that there would be a virus that would cause a pandemic in the world and that we needed to prepare for that virus. And he predicted that in 2015, five years before the COVID-19 virus created a worldwide pandemic. There is something in human nature that craves to know the future. But unfortunately, people go to the wrong sources to get their information. There is only one source that is 100% accurate and correct, and that is the Word of God. Did you know that 20%, one-fifth of your Bible was prophetic, was a prediction of the future when it was written? One-fifth. And are you aware that one of the main roles of God, the Holy Spirit, is to reveal to us the future. Jesus told us that in John 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13, Jesus speaking says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, not a spirit of falsehood, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you, notice these words, he will disclose to you what is to come. One of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us the future. And that's easy for the Holy Spirit because, and here's the first truth we want to note today. Number one, all of history is moving in God's direction. 
all of history is moving in God's direction. It's like a cruise ship headed from London to New York. God has plotted the course. He's announced the final destination. He is steering the ship. And God's predictions all come true 100%. All of history is moving in God's direction. How do we know? Well, one of the proofs is because we already have irrefutable proof and examples of prophecies that have already been fulfilled because we live thousands of years after these biblical prophecies were made and written down. And we can clearly read them and look at them and see that many of them have already been fulfilled accurately 100%. And this gives us great assurance that the rest of the prophecies will also be fulfilled exactly as prophesied. Christ's first coming was predicted by a Jewish prophet by the name of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was even born. And this Jewish prophet predicted not only the birth of Christ, but he also predicted how Jesus would be crucified and how he'd be buried in someone else's tomb. And it's in detail in Isaiah 53. And 700 years later, this prophecy came true exactly as predicted and put in writing. So it would be logical, it would be consistent, it would be wise of us to expect that all the other unfulfilled prophecies in Scripture will be fulfilled exactly as they've been predicted. And that Jesus' second coming to set up his kingdom on earth as prophesied again and again by the Jewish prophets in the Old Testament and prophesied in the New Testament will come true. Because believing the first coming was fulfilled literally necessitates believing that the second coming will be fulfilled literally. And any other conclusion, quite frankly, is ludicrous. All of God's prophecies come true 100%. Now, unfortunately, the whole reason that we need a second coming is because Jesus was rejected at his first coming. So a second coming is necessary in order for Jesus to fulfill his promise to the Jewish nation as predicted throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. Mankind cannot stop The fact that all of history is moving in God's direction. And this rescue of the Jewish nation is given to us in great detail in several books of the Bible, but one of them is the book of Revelation. And if you want to know more details, go to our website, go to the podcast And we have 22 sermons that go through the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter. All literally going to be fulfilled. And while Jesus is at it, he's not only going to rescue the Jews, he's also going to rescue us Gentiles, us non-Jews as well. Because all of history is moving in God's direction, and there's a second truth to note. And the second truth is this. Number two, you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. You can't stop Jesus from coming 
to your rescue. You can deny him, you can betray him, you can mock him, you can whip him, you can even crucify him. And he'll just shake it off and come back to rescue you. Because you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. David Cabrina, known to his friends as Cabby, died this past week. He would have been 60 years old on May 29th. David or Cabby started attending our church on our Saturday night services maybe about a year ago. At one time, at one time Cabby had been a strong believer, and many people had come to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of Cabby and his wife over on the Big Island of Hawaii. They even baptized people in their own swimming pool. Then a series of physical injuries hit Cabby. The family ended up losing their home. Cabby became addicted to pain medications. More hard times fell on the family, and the marriage broke apart. Cabby remarried an old girlfriend, and they both started drinking quite heavily. They drank and drank and drank until his new wife died from the heavy drinking. But Jesus rescued Cabby and healed him. And Cabby turned his heart back over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he started coming to Kailua Community Church on Saturday nights and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ with us. This past week, Cabby went to sleep and he woke up in the presence of Jesus Christ. His heart, destroyed by a life of heavy drinking, failed. But he had given that heart to Jesus Christ. And now he's been rescued for all eternity and he's with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to Cabby's rescue. And you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. So maybe you get COVID-19. Maybe it even kills you. That's not a big problem for Jesus. You can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. With Jesus in your heart and life, death is already a defeated foe. And eternal life is a guarantee, 100%. Even if COVID-19 is the door that you have to pass through to reach that eternal life. Now, at this point, some of you are wondering, what does all this have to do with Palm Sunday? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Palm Sunday involves one of the most incredible and precise prophecies ever made or recorded in all of human history. It's one of the greatest proofs of the trustworthiness of our Bibles, and one of the greatest proofs that God's predictions come true 100% of the time, because all of history is moving in God's direction. In around the year 600 B.C., a young Jewish teenager by the name of Daniel, who would have been about 15 years old, was taken captive from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon to be trained as an advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonian Empire at the time. And over the next 60-plus years, Daniel was given some incredible prophecies from God, which he wrote down for us. And some of these prophecies include prophesying and forecasting the course of Middle Eastern history for the next five centuries and writing it down. 
And it's in Daniel chapters 10 to 12, in case you want to read it sometime. And in these chapters, Daniel precisely predicts the ebb and flow of four future world empires. He starts off with the Babylonian Empire, which then was taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire, taken over by the Greek Empire, taken over by the Roman Empire, and he predicts all that. And Daniel also predicts the meteoric rise of Alexander the Great and how after Alexander the Great's death, his kingdom would be divided into four amongst his four generals. And that's predicted by Daniel. And one of the future events that the prophet Daniel predicted was the exact day that the Jewish Messiah would enter Jerusalem and present himself to the Jewish nation as their Messiah the day we celebrate today, Palm Sunday. And Daniel predicted it to the very day. Because you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. This day, Palm Sunday, that we celebrate today, was predicted to the very day, some 600 years before it ever took place. And this prediction is given to us in Daniel chapter 9, in verse 25. Daniel 9, verse 25. It says this, So you are to know, and Daniel is being told this, So you, Daniel, are to know and discern, that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That's key. A decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. From that point until Messiah, the prince, until the Messiah comes, there will be. So from the time a decree to rebuild Jerusalem that had been destroyed by the Babylonians in David's day, in 586 B.C., until the Messiah comes, Palm Sunday, he tells us, here's how long a time that will be, and he predicts it to the very day. He says this, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's a total of 69 weeks. It, the city, will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Even when it's a difficult time, the city will be rebuilt. Now, here is where it gets really exciting and really detailed and involves your favorite subject, math. But stay with me, especially for those of you where it's midnight right now. Daniel predicts that after 69 weeks, the city of Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Now, it's important to understand that the Jews use the word weeks like we use the word dozen. Weeks just means seven. It could be seven of anything, like we use the word dozen to say, I have a dozen donuts or I have a dozen eggs, I have a dozen chickens, or I have a dozen children. Dozen just means 12. Weeks just means seven. And in this context, when he says 69 weeks, he means 69 sevens. He's talking about years. So here's where the math comes in. Multiply seven years, that's a week, times 69, and you discover that's 483 years. And so he says, 483 years after there's a decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem that's been destroyed by the Babylonians, we'll have Palm Sunday. Jesus will come. And you're going, well, how many days is 483 years? Well, here's where it gets a little bit tricky. You have to multiply 483 years, not by 365 days, that's a solar year. You have to multiply it by 360 days, which is a lunar year, which is what the scriptures use when they talk about prophecy in Daniel and the book of Revelation. 
So multiplying, are you still with me? Wake up there. Multiplying 483 years times 360 days in a year, you get 173,880 days. And so exactly 173,880 days after the prediction to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, Jesus is going to show up. Well, guess what? About 100 years after Daniel had written this and died, he was long gone. Now Persia was a dominant kingdom, which he had predicted after the Babylonians. King Artaxerxes of Persia in 445 B.C., and this is a well-founded date, he issued a decree in the month of Nisan, which is our month April, that Nehemiah, the Jew, could lead a team back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. And it's recorded for us in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. Just as Daniel had predicted would happen. Because all of history is moving in God's direction. And this decree to rebuild the temple started the countdown of God until Jesus came back for the rescue. 483 years, 173,880 days later, on April 6th, 32 A.D., Jesus showed up on Palm Sunday 100% like predicted by Daniel. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And he came into Jerusalem, and the people had palm fronds, and they are shouting, Hosanna, which in Hebrew means, save us. And now we finally come to the passage in Mark 11, Palm Sunday, predicted by Daniel. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 8, says this, And many spread their garments in the road. The road was dirt, it was dusty. To honor Christ, they even took off their outer garments and laid them for the donkey that Jesus was riding to, to ride over to keep the dust down. And others spread leafy branches like palm branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying, Hosanna, which means, oh, save us. They knew he was the Savior. He had come to rescue the Jewish nation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. David's kingdom had been promised by the Old Testament prophets, and they knew the Messiah would set up that kingdom once again. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. But as you know, in a matter of days, those opposed to Jesus would arrest him, have a mock trial, they would torture him, and they would crucify him. But you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. And so three days later, after being murdered, crucified on a cross, Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. And we will celebrate that day next week at Easter. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, like Cabby did, like I have, like those in this room have, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, 
you too will rise from the grave and spend eternity with him. Which brings us to our third truth for this morning. Death may slow you down, but it doesn't have to stop you. Death may slow you down, but it doesn't have to stop you. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus is outside the tomb of his good friend, his good and dead friend, Lazarus, who's been dead for three days. And Jesus says these powerful words to Lazarus' sister. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Shall live even if he dies. And that's a promise. Death may slow you down, but it doesn't have to stop you. Because Jesus comes to your rescue. So I ask you, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus has come to rescue you? Just like the first coming, Palm Sunday, was predicted and fulfilled, so his second coming was predicted and will be fulfilled. Because all of history is moving in God's direction. Because you can't stop Jesus from coming to your rescue. And death may slow you down, but it doesn't have to stop you. I'd like you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you gave your all, that we too might rise from the dead and spend eternity with you. If you're listening here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't wait. Everyone dies. But only those who accept Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior will live again for all eternity with him. If you don't know Jesus, cry out to him. Say, Hosanna, save us, save me, Lord. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave and conquered death. I want you in my life. I yield my will to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. My brothers and sisters, May you receive the abundant life given only to those who believe in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life.